1: your host Jag Sandy today with you. And today I am speaking to a beautiful soul, a lady that I have personally worked with. Her name is Indrani Phillips. Hi Indrani, welcome. Hello. Hello, how are you? Just to tell you a bit more about Indrani. um, Indrani is an intuitive business and mindset coach um, who has worked in corporate, who worked in corporate America for over 16 years before she actually left to set up her own business. Um, And not only that, she's had her own trials and tribulations through life. So this is all about Indrani and her journey. So Indrani, how are you today? I am amazing. How are you? I'm fantastic, thank you. So thank you very much for joining us. And thank you for accepting my invite. Um, So Indrani, like I said, joining intuitive Business and Mindset Coach... What made you take that step from corporate America to become a coach?
0: Oh, my goodness. So my journey wasn't one of I want to be a coach, and this is exactly what I want to do. My Mm -hmm. life has been kind of a hummingbird where I've tried a lot of ventures while in corporate America. And um, backtracking, I I worked at Toyota for 16 years, and the last two and a half to three years I was in the dream job. I was working in organizational development. I was doing a lot of mentoring and coaching with executives. And all of a sudden, life happens, right? And a lot of the initiatives that I was doing for diversity and inclusion wasn't resonating with me and who I was. So I started feeling a shift between the different um, objectives and missions that my company had that was very disaligned with what I was going through. So Mm -hmm. at the time I fell into an interior design business because a friend of a friend came over and she, I think it was a baby shower at my house and Mm -hmm. she saw my home and she's like, Indrani, I'm having a baby. I need you to design my, my nursery. I've had no formal experience at all, but I've had a lot of homes. And so I said, sure. I started on that venture and it quickly became very successful And so I was working full time. I had two kids at home. At the time, my daughter was five months and my older one was seven years. And Mm I was uh, running this interior design business. And so I thought that that was going to be my golden ticket out of corporate America. Mm -hmm. So I was really excited about it. Um, I remember my days were waking up at 6 a.m., getting home with the kids around 6 p.m. And then at 9 o'clock, I would start my interior design business and do work around that until 2 a.m.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Well, what ended up happening was that I started realizing as the jobs got bigger, that the interior design business isn't like the shows where you come in and the the clients are away for two days and they come home and it's a big reveal. Yeah. More of dealing with them on a daily basis. And it Mm -hmm. was a lot of the change management. I would open up kitchens and see mold. Um, Mm -hmm. The contractors would do work incorrectly. So I was a bearer of a lot of bad news and it was a lot of stress. The biggest thing for me was I was outside of my house more than I wanted to, because my Mm -hmm. whole transition to become an entrepreneur was so I could be at home with the kids more. So as I started realizing that this wasn't for me, I started developing a lot of anxiety, stress, worry, and it got to a point where I couldn't sleep at night. Because I was like, okay, now I've got to go into a job that I don't love anymore. And thinking about being there for another 20 years made me nauseous. I'm like, I can't continue Mm to do this. So I ended up being diagnosed with depression. Um, Mm -hmm. My doctor went through a whole bunch of tests with me because I actually had a physical breakdown. And Mm -hmm. I thought that I had a virus or something. So we ended up doing a ton of different tests to see what was going on. And then the doctor, I remember her coming in. And giving me the results of the last test that I did. And she's like, it's negative. Mm-hmm. But I'm diagnosing you with depression. Mm-hmm. And also the scariest thing. Because I had this beautiful, amazing life. Yes. Um, and so I was on disability for a few months. And um, as I started going through it. And going through therapy. Which wasn't working too well. Um, I ended up running into. I went to a networking event. Because I was called. I followed my <laughs> intuition. And mm-hmm. long story short. I ended up getting, um, getting connected with a coach. Mm -hmm. And at that time I just knew of executive coaching in corporate America and sports coaching. Yeah. So I was like, what is this? What do you do? How are you different from a therapist? And as I started connecting with her deeply, I was like, Oh my goodness, this is my sign. Mm -hmm. So I bit the bullet. I invested with her And I started realizing that this was exactly what I was looking for because all of my jobs, all of my businesses I've done while working corporate America, Mm -hmm. I realized the one thing that I loved was a transformation. Mm -hmm. And I was doing transformation in people's styles and with their clothing and corporate America and interior design. But now I realized that I could do a transformation with people's mindset and help
1: them achieve their goals and do it from home. So So when you, when you Going, when you were going through the therapy, when you compare the therapy to how the coach helped you I mean obviously i 've been in therapy myself, and obviously it depends on who you go to, like whether you see a counselor or someone who 's a psycho um, therapist like you go through CBT or whatever so would you say therapy helped you at all at, on any level, or would you say that the coach helped you more because they had had their own life experiences and that empowered you more to kind of get to the bottom of things.
0: That is such a great question. I feel like I've I've been in therapy my entire life (laughs) with my past and my childhood and everything going on. Yeah. Um, So with that, I think the therapist kind of the way that, that I see the two as being different is they are very great at what they do. But Mm -hmm. I was like tired of going back into my past and talking about, what happened as a child and all of those Mm -hmm. things. And although, you know, I, I did have some help with it, you know, and I felt okay with, you know, coming out of it. I didn't feel any progress or momentum towards Mm -hmm. what was missing. So Mm -hmm. when I met with this coach, I was like, Oh my gosh, like, I know that I was, I didn't even realize what I was looking for until I Mm -hmm. met her to say, Oh my gosh, what I'm looking for is a new purpose. What I'm Mm -hmm. looking for is following and fulfilling my soul mission And so the coach was much more proactive to say, okay, how can we create this life for you rather than Mm -hmm. the therapist saying, let's rehash stuff from your past, which I was over. I was like, okay,
1: I'm done talking about my childhood. I get it. It's almost like when you think about when you go back to your childhood, because I know obviously we've spoken at length on our calls when we've worked together, That obviously Mm -hmm. becoming from like a, eastern culture to a western culture parents still had their eastern mindset but how did you find that um how did you find that the eastern influence was like was it difficult growing up in a western society because obviously like, obviously, every family is different. With my family, they're very traditional, quite conservative, not liberal. You know, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. You know, you've got to, you have to complete your education. you still got to do the housework, and you've got to get married. You know, nothing else.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, my gosh, Jack, absolutely. And my parents came here when um, my mom got my, married at 19, and so she, she came here. Mm -hmm. So they lived here longer, much longer than they did in India. I was one of three kids, two brothers Uh and myself. And where I grew up, I was born in Pennsylvania. It was 98% Caucasian. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't white. I wasn't black. People didn't know what to do with me. I didn't know Mm -hmm. what to do with me. Mm And then on top of that, having my my father's traditions to say, I don't want to hang out with anyone that's not Indian. I mean, that took my whole pool to one person. Yeah. And and on top of that, I just remember my dad saying comments like, you can't go out because, but your brothers can because you can come home pregnant. And this Mm. is when I was 12, 13
1: years old and I didn't even know about. Yeah, exactly. And it's that that thing where they're planting that, that seed of fear in you when you don't even know anything and you're so innocent and those things leave such a mark on you you know as you get older deep down you're thinking what have I done and it makes you feel very insecure within yourself oh my gosh! you yeah. know so it's almost like as you're getting older and you're developing friendships you know with boys and girls obviously when you go through high school and everything it must have had such an impact on you um kind of growing up maybe until you got to college did you did you find them?
0: Absolutely. I know that um, I had to start sneaking out to just hang out with my friends. And so mm. I, I, I tried to like bend the rules a little bit so I could have some freedom. But I remember when I was 17 and I was a senior in, in high school mm. and I had my first boyfriend and mm. I met him at like uh, at, at my job and he was Italian and even if he was Indian, my parents would have freaked out. And I just remember my friends being able to go out, go to the mall. I mean, do normal things, go to the movies, and yeah. I wasn't able to. And I remember one night I took pills to kill myself because I was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm so unhappy. My parents had violent, huge fights. So cops would be called. The dishes would be broken. So mm. I didn't have, like, salvation at home. Mm. But I can not go out and hang out with friends and, and yeah. have my own space so my own space became my closet mm-hmm. and um and so i ended up taking pills and i remember when i did it as soon as i did i had this awakening to say oh my gosh you've got so much more life to live mm-hmm. and so thank god like i didn't take enough and my heart started beating really fast and i started getting really like nervous so i told um i didn't tell my parents but i called a friend and Thank goodness, you know, I didn't take enough to have mm-hmm. any kind of impact. But that was when I had my awakening to say, you know what, I'm done being a victim. Mm-hmm. And if I do really good in school, then I can go to a good college, and then I can get the heck out of this household. But just like you were saying earlier, that it's like in the Eastern culture, it's like before you're even born, you have a plan. Yeah, got a plan for you that you're going to do this. You're going to mm-hmm. go to college. For my parents, there's a lot of financial issues. So my mom always wasn't making enough money. So I Mm -hmm. knew financial freedom is something I wanted to do and that was instilled in me. But I didn't have any other options outside of college. Mm It was like do all of these things. Yeah. So I became a timeline kind of girl. Yeah. So I went to I went to Arizona State. I lived at home through college, which was a nightmare. But um, we were 10 minutes away from the campus, and my dad's like, well, either you're going to pay for your school and your tuition and your books, I'm not going to pay for anything, or you're you're going to stay in the house. So that motivated me to bust my ass and graduate in three and a half years, and then I moved to California. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was still on the Indian mentality to say, okay, I've got to be a certain age when I get married. I can only marry an Indian. I've got to have babies by a certain time. So... I, I, went through the steps and I remember that even when I, we told my parents about, we announced an engagement through a conversation with me and my ex-husband. Yeah. Um, my mom told me at the time, like after I told her I was getting divorced, she's like, I yeah. knew he wasn't right for you, but I knew that you were so stuck in your mindset. You're so stubborn. And I said, I made a decision. Perfect. I can check off a marriage off the list. <laughs> but you, I wasn't even in the mindset to receive any of yeah. it. Mm. and sometimes we become programmed like robots to say okay what's the next thing okay now I've got to do this I've got to get a job now I got to get married at 26 have my mm. two kids by 30 and then I just live this half-assed life and just be a perfect Indian wife yeah. daughter and daughter-in-law and mother but,
1: but nowadays I mean obviously that was like 10 years ago 10 years 10 years plus right but obviously yeah. since then things have changed a lot society has changed but obviously when we were growing up it was very very different like in the 80s 90s it was very very different and now you kind of look at around you and it's like everyone's like no we're fine we're doing this we're doing that but anyway coming back to you obviously what the question that i wanted to, that's, that i wanted to ask you is when did you start tapping into your intuitive Gifts. Well, have you always known that you've been intuitive, or did that come later, or did did that happen during your marriage? When did that happen? Oh my gosh! So, um,
0: I, I it started happening when I started awakening, and this was I had I was married at twenty six, right before I found out I was pregnant. I was thinking about getting a divorce because I wanted alignment. I wanted to be married with someone that had the same religion and the same background and mm-hmm. it would be easier for us to raise kids. So yeah. it was all head, no heart. Mm-hmm. And so I started realizing that my, my ex-husband and I were so opposite and so different that I was really contemplating getting a divorce. And then I think it was a week or two later, I found I was pregnant. And so I ended up staying. And I remember, I mean, our luck was perfect. We had like the beautiful custom-built home, the four-car garage, the live-in nanny, like my work at Toyota, my salary didn't even matter because he was making so much money. So on paper, it was perfect. And so I remember one day I walked in from my garage and I walked down the hall and I walked by a mirror that I've seen for two years. And all of a sudden, when I looked in the mirror, I didn't recognize who I was. Mm. And that was my awakening. That was my breakdown that turned into my awakening to say, Who am I? Who am I meant to be? I'm just, I felt like I was like a ghost living this life. And I checked my heart and my soul Mm -hmm. at the door. So from there, it became, um, uh, it it became very apparent because things started popping into my life. That ex-boyfriend that I mentioned from high school found me on MySpace. I'm dating myself because I'm talking back when MySpace MySpace was was a big big thing. thing. But But, he came in, and he started reminding me what it was like to actually be in love. Um, mm-hmm. I had a boss at work that him and I started connecting really deeply on an emotional level. And so all of these things started coming up to say, wait a second, there's more to life than just checking off the boxes and living a half-assed life. I wasn't fulfilled in my job at the time at Toyota. I wasn't fulfilled in my marriage. And to be honest, Jack, I was in a point where it was time for me to have my second kid.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: because my timeline, I was at thir- I'm, I'm nearing 30, I need yeah. to have my kid. And, um, and instead I asked for a divorce because I knew that if I kept on living this half-assed life, I would, I'd have to continue to medicate with shopping and gossiping and drinking and not dealing with my problems or it have an affair because Mm -hmm. I was just not fulfilled. Um, when I asked for my divorce, it was, it was, it was horrible from, my husband's side and my father's side. My father would tell me, he'd send me emails every day to my work to say, you're horrible. Why are you doing this? You're selfish. You're this, you're that you should give full custody to your, to, to my Mm ex-husband. How can you do this? But I knew. And even now, when I think back to that, I can't believe I had the bravery and the courage to do that. Mm -hmm. But I knew that I had to do this for my daughter. Mm So the, 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 irony part of the story was I ended up staying because of my daughter and I ended up leaving because of her, because yeah. I didn't want her to see a marriage and a life that like, there was no love there. There was yeah. no connection. We were so opposite. And we we're always arguing and bickering we' were, everyone called us the old married couple. <laughs> I didn't want my daughter. And it wasn't as, as traumatic as I experienced as a child. Cause my parents had like, was very traumatic, yeah. but I knew that I wanted my kids to see love and laughter and light, yeah. and happiness, and I wanted to be fulfilled. Yeah. So, um, so at that time, you know, I found myself instead of having baby number two at thirty, I was a single divorce mom at thirty, and that's when like my whole spiritual awakening started coming and saying, "Wait a second, there's more to life than just having things or just checking things off the box. There's more to." what does that, what is that feeling of fulfillment? What am I meant here to experience? Yeah. And that was when I started tapping into the personal development and this um, spirituality, the co-creation, the manifesting. And that was when I realized my darkest times in mm-hmm. all the big points in my life led to the greatest awakenings. Mm-hmm. Because now I've been married to my husband for almost six years And I knew him in college. He actually had a class with my ex-husband in college. My ex-husband was not happy when he found out (laughs) what was happening. But I married my best friend, you know, and he was not waiting for me. But he knew that that we were going to be together, even though we were married. It was very very weird. But um, if I didn't step through my fear, Mm -hmm. and if I just stayed safe, and said, okay, you know, what, what will happen? How will my finances change? Who is going to marry, you know, a divorced mom, especially yeah. Indians?
1: Yeah. If
0: I, if I kept myself in that box, I'd still be miserable. But now I've been able to step through that and work on myself, figure out what blocks that I had. And as I released that, I was able to open myself up to the, a greater love that I didn't even know was possible.
1: Mm. Great. But the thing is, it's so obviously, I mean, how long have you been a coach now for like intuitive coach about two and a half about two and a half years two and a half years Mm -hmm. and when you had your breakdown how long before that would you say it took you to work out that you wanted to work for yourself fully as an entrepreneur as a intuitive business coach mindset coach
0: So when I started, um, my, my, my first coach and I worked on a program that I never launched. I didn't do anything with, it was kind of like fixing, like, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to be this coach. I'm going to help women create an amazing home and a great lifestyle and and all these things. And I'm like, okay, okay, let me try it. But I didn't launch that at all. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I started getting into the life coaching so mm-hmm. I did that for a while. And um, what I experienced was I was helping women really break through the things holding them back. But then as I started building a brand and as I started creating amazing visibility for myself, the women that were coming to me were coaches and they're like, I want to do what you did. Mm-hmm. So again, it kind of happened very organically. Mm-hmm. And- As I did that, I started listening within more. And so many times we're always asking for answers without. Like we're asking people, what do you think about this? And what do you think about this? Mm -hmm. But once we start coming into ourselves more Mm -hmm. and then getting confirmation from people rather than validation, that's where my intuition started opening up. And that's where I started trusting it and knowing that anyone as you know, can be intuitive. Anyone can tap yeah. into those psychic abilities once we're ready, once we're open, and once we're willing
1: to do something. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they always say the answers are always within, but obviously the way that we've been programmed, we always look without. Oh, yeah, like Google is a bird
0: now. They answer for everything. And, and, and I think that it's so interesting in social media and with Google. We're so far advanced on the technology that, is, that now we're so reliant upon it. So yeah where we're we're using this Google as a compass or people as a compass rather than saying, wait a second, find that within. Yeah.
1: It's almost like everyone needs to go back to basics before technology. Yes. You know, but it's almost like wherever you go, it's like, for example, if you go to a coffee shop and, or a restaurant, the first thing some people will do is, is there any Wi-Fi here? And it's almost like everyone's, on the phone and there's no basic human connection yes.
0: interaction yeah it was, it was funny
1: because as you mentioned that
0: one of the biggest like I've had like breakthroughs in my life and so one of the biggest breakthroughs I had in my spiritual development was I will tell you that I am an opt-in email whore I will opt into anything. I'll give my email address and be like, oh, that's good, that's good. So as a result, I have a junk email address that I have all of this stuff flooding in through mm-hmm. that I hardly check. One day I I saw something and I clicked on it, like I something told me to click on it. And as I did, I saw this story. And it was about the Hindu gods. And they were hiding this one thing, like like our intuition and our limitless powers and abilities Mm -hmm. and one of the 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 other gods that had a bad intent with it was trying to find this so um he krishna was told all of his disciples let's go hide this so they went to all the different planes of the earth to 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 try to hide it from from this other god that wanted Mm -hmm. to use it for a negative thing and then they figured out the best place to hide it well no one will find it within us Mm -hmm. And when I got that, I was just like, oh my goodness, like we have all this tapped into us, but we're so seeking validation and we're seeking uh, self-acceptance. We're seeking approval from others, but we're not looking within and saying, wait a second, how do we feel about ourselves? So once we start tuning in, then we start finding those answers. And I will say that we start seeing the breadcrumb trail because now it's visible to us to say, okay, Take this course, work with this person, do this, and following the nudges is what created my 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 business now. Which I would, if somebody told me three years ago that I would be a business and intuitive mindset coach, I'd be like, "Are you crazy? <laughs> like that is so not me." And having to be visible, I mean, Jag, I grew up with a stuttering issue with feeling like an outsider, jacked Mm -hmm. up teeth, not believing in myself. I would literally, even in college, when I was late to a class, I wouldn't go into the lecture hall because I didn't want anyone looking at me and and having any unnecessary attention to me. So I would literally skip class and sit outside of class and then ask somebody for their notes. It was that bad. And now I'm like on live all the time and sharing my message. So it's amazing. As we start doing it, we get the gifts and we get the guidance that we need to get to where we, we desire to go.
1: Yeah, it's amazing how, where you start off and then where life takes you. It's almost like you've gone from one end of the spectrum to the other. Absolutely. You know, I, I mean, I can completely relate to you. Like when you're growing up, you were kind of forced into a box. So you, you've got to fit in that box no matter what way. You know, you've got to, you can't think outside of the box it's almost like they like shutting you down and i had that growing up myself with my dad it's almost like you're a girl girls shouldn't be heard i don't know if you had that with your mm-hmm. parents as well but it's almost like as we've grown up as i've grown up they've seen me doing different things not the norm it's like they, <laughs> they're kind of they're kind of shocked but it's, where, it's a good but it's quite good because it's almost like they're getting astonished each step of the way which I'm sure like you've probably had that with your parents as well
0: absolutely like my it's funny because when I got divorced um my dad was like so upset because he was like oh we stuck in the marriage although it was horrible and as a kid I wish my parents got divorced it was that bad hmm. um, and then when I brought Michael, my husband, home for the first time, my dad was home and we didn't even know for an hour because he wouldn't come out of the room. And I was so nervous about it. But then when he finally came out and the way that my husband is, is he can talk to anybody. So within 30 minutes, they were connected and they're great. And now my husband, or my dad loves my husband, mm-hmm. but it took the time. He had to see me in a different way. Now he sees mm-hmm. me as an entrepreneur. He was like what you're leaving Toyota? Like, what are you doing? Wait, that's your financial stability. That is a great company. And although I knew all of that, yeah, I think I told, I told him after I left. I didn't even ask for that permission anymore. I'm like, I am a divorce. Like, <laughs> I'm already divorced. I'm already remarried. I have my two kids. So yeah. once I stepped away from the approval or what they would think. Mm-hmm. And I just followed my, my bliss and then I told them as needed on what was going on. It was great because now he sees me as, I don't want to say like, I don't know if it's an equal, but he sees me as me truly who I am. And I don't have to worry about um, the impression that he's getting of me. I'm able to stand in my power and say, dad, if you like this, awesome. And if you don't, tell yeah, I'm fine with that too. And as I've done that, I, he's respected me much more because he realizes that he can't, I don't want to say control me, but you know how parents, especially Indian yeah. moms are, they yeah. want to make sure that they're doing all in love, but they want
1: to like kind of be the puppeteers. And
0: yeah, it's
1: almost like, even though you're still their child, mm-hmm. you will always be their child, like that little six-year-old or whatever. You know, it's almost like you, you'd be like, as soon as you start saying no that's when they start sitting up and paying attention but it takes a few attempts for them to actually realize that but coming back to you meeting your husband you said that you were at college together so how did you actually connect did you actually manifest him because I know you you're into your manifestation right. and, so and how-
0: I, I, I will say I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause right there I'm Although I have a manifesting Maven course, I'm more into the co-creation because I feel like the manifestation, like the way that people are using it now is like, I'm, I want to manifest working with you. I want to manifest the money for this and we're doing it from lack. So yeah. my new, like where that feels really good is co-creation, but absolutely. So with my, my husband now, I dated him before I got married. So he right. worked for it as well and he still does, but he yeah. was like, okay, I'm sorry everyone, but he was like the white boy and he was like, you know, the bad boy, the white boy. And he was really cute and I really liked him, but he didn't fit into, like we were talking about my box of, okay, you've got to be Indian. You've got to be this, you, you've got to have these qualifications mm-hmm. before, you know, I would even consider you. Yeah. And so he told me that when we were dating, he actually said, he's like, I would love to marry you. I don't even remember this conversation. And I was like, What did I say? He's like exactly that. Like to be like, No, you're white, sorry. You know, I'm just seeing it as like <laughs> anger, I see what's on my mind. And so I didn't even realize because I bet you my subconscious like completely blocked that out because that wasn't part of my filter. Mm-hmm. So long story short, when I got divorced, um Mike and I were still at Toyota, but we were in different locations. So I was visiting his location and um we were still like really connected and we, we talked and stuff and I would help him um, scheme on his girlfriends and stuff. And I kind of knew everything that was going on in his life. And so when he found out that I was getting divorced, he tried to swoop in right away. He was like, really? okay. <laughs> Oh, right away. Like, like must have liked
1: you for a very long time though.
0: Yeah. So, so we dated, I got married and we were so close. So he still call and asked me for advice about girls and stuff. Um, and then we drifted apart when we moved locations, but um, we we're still really close. So whenever we saw each other, it was just like this. I mean, Jack, he was the one. I remember leaving him a voicemail, telling him about the poop that I took in the grocery store because I had to go. And it was a courtesy wipe because when I wipe my butt, there's no poop on the paper. Okay. So <laughs> this is our relationship. But I told him it's a good, the bad, and the ugly. And he kept that, he, he kept that recording for a very long time.
1: Oh God. So let me just get this right. So you've known Mike since you were at college. Yeah, since I was like 20. Since and, like, 20. 40, so
0: for 20 years.
1: 20 years. Oh, God. And then you, did you date when you were at college or did you start dating when you were at Toyota? We, we started dating. So I thought he
0: was always cute, but I had a boyfriend at the time and my boyfriend was Indian. He, my, my boyfriend turned into my first husband, well, I, feel I like Elizabeth Taylor, my first husband. And <laughs> I, and then we, my first husband and I, Devish is his name, we broke up when I got the job to move to California and he stayed in Arizona. He didn't, he applied for a term and he didn't get the job. So we well, broke yeah. up for a while, but we were always in each other's lives because I would go home and I would see him. So when it got time for me to get married, literally, Jag, the people my parents were hooking me up with were people fresh off the boat. Like with the chappels, mm. with the blacks with the chappels, and like the doctors, and like the accent, not your beautiful British accent, but like the total yeah, different accent, right? And yeah, I know, I know. Like not even two different worlds, two different galaxies. So I was like sex in the city. I call my friend, I I I, I text my friend, and then she called me. Oh, there's an emergency, I've gotta go. <laughs> we had a plan for all these bad dates. And oh. I, I just I just gotta tell you. Um, there was one where he was um, he was Indian and he was a doctor and we talked and was it, was it was going pretty well. So I went to go visit him. We had a great weekend. And then on the last day, I remember we were sitting there, we we made brunch together, we we're sitting there on the couch, and he said, So, are you gonna take off your pants? And I was like, Excuse me? Am I gonna take off my pants? And he's like, Yeah, are you gonna take off your pants? And are we gonna, you know. And that's when I'm like, take me to the airport. Like, and that was when I felt like, oh my gosh, like this, this man and a lot of, I'm going to be stereotypical, but a lot of the men that I experience that are the doctors, the lawyers, the engineers want the trophy of a wife to be like, okay, you do what I say and you're going to look nice and look pretty and everything. And you just, you know, be quiet and I'll take care of you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That was a time where I'm like, okay, either I was meeting these people that my parents was setting me up with. Or I lived in Los Angeles and a lot of the Indians were trying to be Mexicans. So they were trying to be like, like, like driving the, the souped up car and with the goatee and like the, the swagger. And I'm like, okay, I don't want to. <laughs> right.
1: And so like, it honestly, it's like almost like they just, it's almost like it's, you're just like that trophy, you're a commodity yep. and not want to get to know the real core cool you. Absolutely. She's a, which is a complete turn off.
0: Oh, it's, it's, it's horrible. And there, there there's some women that may want that. I feel like they Mm -hmm. haven't found themselves yet. That's just my personal opinion. But for me, I'm just like, hell no. So then that's when like my ex-husband is a great guy. He's an amazing father. He's like a great person. So I was like, okay, let me just, you know, marry him because I know he'll always take care of me and we have a a pretty good relationship. So I made that choice based on thoughts. Yeah. Well, fast forward, when I got divorced, um, my, my girlfriend, I wanted to get married again, Jack, cause I love being married. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go on eHarmony. I'm going to go on match. And my girlfriend's like, hell no, you need to get all of this crazy stuff out of your system. So you need to have a rebound guy and date, but with, I don't meet guys at the bars. I just don't meet random people. Yeah. So, um, we're at a bar in Santa Monica and Michael walked in and my, my girlfriend's like, you should date him. And I told to her, my, Michael hates it when I say this. I'm like, I would not touch his ass with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> because I knew that who he was. He was a player. He was like, you know, living in Brentwood. And he'd go out all the time and all that stuff. I'm like, I don't want to date a player. Yeah. But we were friends at that time, no? We were total friends at that time. And I'm yeah. like, no, I know too much about him. You know, because yeah. I was a girl that would help him cheat on his girlfriends, for God's sake. So yeah. I was a girl that was helping him, like like be a cheater. Um, but his his girlfriend and him had a lot of issues back then. So I don't yeah. want to put his name out there and say any bad things. <laughs> they're always on and off on that roller coaster. So, anyways. Um, he tried to get, Mike tried to get with me and I was like, no, I don't want to do this. And then I remember I was so nervous because the next week I was taking him out for his birthday. So I was talking to my friend. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't want him to try to like hit on me again. It's going to be uncomfortable. And instead we had the most magical time. It was amazing. I mean, we connected so greatly. I was laughing until I was crying. And I remember driving away and saying, oh my gosh, I wish he would have kissed me. And so then I was like, okay. So I literally, we worked together at the time because I moved to his location. We went out to lunch and I'm like, hey, do you want to be my rebound guy? And he's like, what? And I'm like, um... Talk about being direct, John. Oh yeah, I'm very direct. I know what I want, and I was like, okay, I know that he's not going to be Mister Mister forever, but he can be yeah. Mister right now, and he was hot. So I was like, okay, yeah. you want to be my rebound guy? He was getting out of his relationship, so he said, awesome. So we dated for a while. So when I wasn't with my daughter, I would come down and stay with a friend, and Mike and I would go out. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was like three or four months later, right around Valentine's Day, we went out to lunch again, and I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm ready to find my, my, my man, my husband, let's break up. Let's end whatever it is that we had. And then I met someone on match.com immediately. And he was, uh, he was British. He was so different. He had a daughter, my daughter's age, he was divorced and, but Mike then realized, Oh my gosh, I want to be with Andrani. So Mike was still in the picture. And then long story short, um, I realized that, If I went with this new guy, I was doing the same thing and I was doing my comfort level to be like, oh, look, he's checking everything off the box. He's divorced with a kid and it's easier. But then I was like, oh, my gosh, well, when would the next time be where I can marry my best friend and -hmm. the guy that has always been there for me? So it was great that I didn't pick the original guy, though, because when I broke up with him. I don't even know breakup, but when I ended it with him, let's say he started calling me all of these names and he was like, you're that I was like, oh, thank God I found this out now. Um, Mm. But it was great because once I saw Michael with my daughter, because that was my Mm. biggest thing where it's like, it's not me anymore. It's me and my daughter. And she was two at the time when I saw them interacting, I fell in love with him in an even deeper way. So we've been together for about 10 years
1: now and we still have that magic. And it is absolutely positive, which is good. Oh my gosh! On some of your lives, it's like when you mention Mike's name, it's almost you have that automatic glow. You've got that glow on your face now as well, girl. Well, last
0: like yesterday when 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 Brianna was taking a nap, we took care of business, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's so amazing. After ten years, we still Mm. have that amazing connection, and I look at him, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm proud to be with him, and I think that's how relationship should be. We should never have to settle. But yeah. I realized my path was I had to, and I don't even want to say settle, but I made decisions just with the head for me to realize mm-hmm. that there's so much more out there. So I had like for me to find Michael, I had to go through these steps. Yeah. And go through my belief system and my mm-hmm. fears and figure out who I was. And as soon as I did all of those things, I mean he he popped in and I had to continue to trust And say, oh my gosh, will will he do the same things that with his last girlfriends that he did with me? But I realized that him and I were completely different. And when you're in that relationship and in that sacred space, that's when, you know. It's
1: always the fear that holds you back, but it's almost like you have to work through that fear in order to get where you want to be or you need to be. Absolutely. Like, I mean, obviously like when you were like, Going back to like when you wanted to, to go to college to study, it was almost like studying was your salvation, it was your get out clause to move away from home, right? Absolutely. I was like,
0: the quicker I can get the hell out of here, the quicker mm-hmm. I can get my life. But I realized that I still took those beliefs with me, mm-hmm. and we don't realize that even when we're trying to get out of something, we take mm-hmm. those with us so we're going to be still recreating our reality unless we start going in and evaluating them and saying wait a second where I want to where I am and where I want to be that gap am I able to get there with the current mindset that I have
1: Mm.
0: and that right there is powerful and even now in my business as I have bigger goals as I have bigger dreams you know, those self-doubt, the fears come up all the time. It's not like we've just
1: mastered and we're done. Like, I did no. my work, I'm done. Okay, now I can go. Yeah. I mean, the okay. thing is, like I, put out, like I put out there the other day, we're always work in progress. It's like there are some people who will call themselves experts, but if you're an expert, you're done doing what you're doing, but you're constantly actually a work in progress. We are constantly learning every day. We're learning from children, from their innocence. They may make a simple comment, we learn from that, or we learn from one another. Um, you know, so it's we're taking on one another's one another's experiences and expanding until we grow onto the next level. We're constantly evolving. But now with your mindset coaching, I mean, where do you see yourself in the next year? with your business and within yourself because obviously there's a lot of things that you've overcome in the last six months, especially especially with Mike not being well a couple of months ago and stuff. So that was really, that was a real, real difficult time Absolutely. as well. Yeah. And, and
0: you know, what? I love that you're highlighting that because a lot of people can look on the surface and be like, oh my gosh, these people have this great life. My husband had heart surgery. He had to have an aortic valve replacement three years ago. And mm-hmm. this was his second heart surgery, and that was like such a tough time. And then he landed in the hospital a few months ago for a week. We didn't know what was going on with him. And his, his, um, uh, his surgeon, his heart surgeon, was worried he'd have to go in again to his heart mm-hmm. because his, his blood infection may have impacted his heart. So it's mm-hmm. one of those things that things continue to come up. It's not like mm-hmm. anyone's life is perfect. but oh, for perfect. Yeah, seeing that, finding the lesson, unraveling that, and finding the mm-hmm. golden nugget in the shit. Like, mm-hmm. literally, sometimes you got to dive. Like, there's times where I was diving through that to try to find mm-hmm. that golden nugget. Um, and it's it's a really powerful thing. So going back to your question a year from now, where I see my business is I see it, I see myself guiding other coaches to do the same kind of work that I'm doing with my clients. So then... I can impact the world in a more conscious way and be able to, I'm one person. So for me to be able to help a million women is going to take a lot of work to do. So if I can help other women bring out their passion bring out their gifts, bring out their knowledge, bring Mm -hmm. out their purpose and their mission and give them the confidence and the skills and the tools to be able to create that visibility Mm -hmm. so they can help other people and create financial freedom in their lives. That's where I'm going to, as well as having more courses, mm-hmm. having masterminds and really being able to impact women in a whole new way. And in a year from now, I want to retire my husband. Mm-hmm. And I think with a lot of the spiritual coaches out there were like, oh my gosh, like money is bad. Or can I make money and do this? You can absolutely do both. Mm-hmm. Once you conquer those beliefs that are saying that you can't and creating yeah. a plan and working with someone. For me, the biggest thing was investing in myself. I was like, wait, I can do this on my own. I tried yeah. to DIY my business for a long time. But I realized that if I want to get great, huge breakthroughs, and if I want to do it without as much struggle, let me work with someone who's already been there, that I get that is aligned to my vibrations and I'm inspired by. So they yeah. can help me there quicker with more effortlessness and ease. Because being a mom of two, mm-hmm. having a husband who... It's absolutely amazing, but he's a planner and I'm not like, and having a home and all of these things, my life is very full. So I've got to be very intentional on where I spend my time. So in my business, I work on impact and income generating opportunities. Yeah. Because there's so much to do. When mm-hmm. I first started, I was hustling all the time, but I was making no money. I was like, wait a second, how I work in. But yeah. you got to be very, very intentional with your time, intentional with your energy, intentional with your mission, and intentional with that vision that you have, and then continue to take that aligned action to get you there. So, as I'm doing that, I'm really sinking into my goals and saying, "Oh my gosh, this the year the the goal for this year is huge. The goal for next year is huge. How am I able to step into that energy? How am I able to step into that?" that mindset to really get there and then take the action to do it. Because for me, it's all about masculine and feminine energy. Yeah. So we want to make sure that we are aligned in our divine feminine energy with our intention and our mindset and our vision and then take the aligned action, which is the masculine energy to make it happen. One without the other
1: becomes very hard to do. It and yeah, it becomes- it's all about having the balance and also remembering that the universe is limitless there's so much abundance there but we always forget that so it's almost like how how would you remind yourself so sometimes if you're thinking that you're not getting where you need to be how do you remind yourself that there is abundance around and you can tap into it how do you remind yourself of that i love
0: that question that happens to me all the time um it used to happen to me all the time and now um I'm more in tune with it, but I just get freaking grateful. Mm. I start looking. And so, so many times we compare ourselves to the Joneses, right? To this yeah. million dollars a year. And it's so easy. And this amazing lifestyle. And they're on the beach and they have this beautiful body and whatever. I don't compare myself to any of those. That's my inspiration, but I compare myself to who I used to be. I compare myself to the, the, the stories that I see on TV where people don't have the mobility they aren't able to walk they aren't they're going through huge huge things in their life so from that point I get really grateful and I say okay I want to do something to help them mm-hmm. so if I can do something for myself if I can create that financial freedom for myself I can help others mm-hmm. so for me literally like every morning I wake up and I'm grateful for my bed I'm grateful for the birds that wake my ass up every morning. Earlier than my alarm, I get grateful for that because it's it's, it's a beautiful thing. I get Mm. grateful for the sky. I get grateful for my heart that's beating every second of every minute of every hour of every day. I get grateful for those things and I realize how abundant I am. And so many times as coaches, I mean, I know that you and I have experienced the same thing. It's about the money, the Mm. clients. How many clients am I making? How many this, this, and this? And then I start thinking, do I have enough to take care of myself for today? Mm. I'm like, I do anything else, any kind of anxiety that I'm causing it. I'm lowering my levels. I'm mm-hmm. bringing on more lack and more worry into my life. Cause like you said, every moment we're manifesting, we're co-creating the next mm-hmm. moment, the next event, the next opportunity. So I immediately start getting grateful And any limiting beliefs that that I have, I start jotting them down and I start journaling on them. And Mm -hmm. then I'll either tap on them, I'll either beat the crap out of a pillow, I'll either go work out. I've got a little trampoline that I'll (laughs) jump on, but I'll change my state, right? And I'll say, okay, now from this state, what is one inspired action that I can do? Mm -hmm. One more step towards my goal. And the thing is, is a lot of things we, a lot of times people don't imagine, they just want to get from A to Z, right? They're like, I just want to make those $30,000 months. I just want to have it all be easy. Mm-hmm. The thing is, the way we learn is in, in the journey. Yeah. And although we probably don't want to admit this, and I didn't mm-hmm. want it to admit this for a long time. We don't want to be instant manifestors. Because we came in like we were light beings before we came here, right? We're actually made of stardust. But we came yeah. here asking for experiences to love, to feel abundance, to feel joy. And sometimes to feel love, you've got to go through heartbreak. To yeah. feel almost you have to go through lack. But as you learn and you transform into the next thing, you can help other people get to where you are. And I think that is part of the growth process and that is the amazing part. So as we continue to do our mindset work, as we continue to be present in the moment with you and I here in this moment, I'm not thinking about my clients or my group program or anything else. I'm thinking about you and I in this moment, yeah. everything is perfect. But once we start thinking about the future and that future gives us anxiety, it's coming back to this moment saying, what can I do now? How can I be more mindful of what I'm putting out there? Cause whatever I'm putting out there is reflecting and amplifying back to me. So if I'm worried that I don't have enough clients or I don't have enough money or I don't have the love and I start worrying about that and tripping out about that, I'm going to be shown more examples that that's not happening. But if I put it into a prayer and surrender, there was my business, Jack, it was um, two years ago that I didn't know how I was going to pay my part of the mortgage. And for me to be a, and I'm a financially independent person. I didn't want to ask my husband at all. So I was really nervous. And so I literally, and I'm more spiritual than religious. I went for a run. I stopped off at the church and I kneeled down to mother Mary and I just started crying. This was like during a a, a service that was going on.
1: Yeah. I I recollect this story that you shared once. Yeah. Yeah. And I literally
0: just had a mantra to say, I surrender all of this worry, all this fear about money now, you know, and I get emotional about it, but I am open to seeing things in another way. I mm. trust that the universe is working for me mm. and I am willing to take that action. And I said that over and over and over. I did it so much where I, I created a mantra for myself and I recorded it. Yeah. And I listened to that every single day when I was running every single day and I started believing and I started believing because I was rewiring my subconscious and yeah. then I started taking that action and I brought in the clients and and that started happening but it's not like do x y and z and you're going to get that it's about the work in process and trusting that it may not happen today it may not happen tomorrow but as long as we continue to align that we're going to get there we're going to keep those steps to get there and becomes more effortless
1: I mean your journey has been so transformational from childhood to now um, and it is so inspiring. And I know that you've inspired so many women along the way. You've also, um, your articles have been published in was it HuffPost as well, haven't they? Um, <coughs> but if people needed to reach out to you, where could they contact you? And, <coughs> excuse me, sorry. Where are you hoping, look, what, who would you say are your not ideal you who 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 are you wanting to work with in the future absolutely and where can people contact you if they would like to, to reach out to you
0: absolutely so i call them my kismet clients
1: mm-hmm. and when i say that
0: they're the people that are meant to work with me the people that feel that inspiration that feel that oh my gosh who is this per- person and they want to know more and the women that I work with are ambitious. They know that they're meant for more. They feel like they're, they're, their comfort zone and their fear has created this glass ceiling where they can't get out of. They can't go to the next <coughs> They know that they are ready for something, but they don't know how. And they are open to doing some deep ass work to be able to get to where they want to be whether it's in their relationships whether it's in their business or their life the mindset and the 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 intuitive part is just so powerful and it's what i love doing i love getting the the messages and helping them do that work to really come back to themselves this whole journey is to come back to ourselves and to who Mm -hmm. we truly are so those are the people that, that i work with um I've got courses and group programs and one-on-one coaching to really create that staircase approach to kind of work with me. And a lot of my clients will start from that place and then end up working with me one-on-one. And the best way to find me is I, I have a website. I mean, I don't know my, one of my beliefs, our websites are kind of, I don't want to say dead, but um, I'm on social media so people can follow me um, on Facebook in Johnny Phillips. And then I have a group called, the soul-fulfilling, money-making, kick-ass entrepreneur. And that's where I share a lot of videos, a lot of strategies, a lot of tips. And I really give a lot of myself to help these women really start jump-starting and create a catalyst of change to start stepping into that future that they desire and they deserve because we all deserve to have it all. It's about believing in ourselves and taking those steps to get there.
1: Thank you so much,
0: Indrani. It's been fun speaking with you. Yes, I love it, Jag. You are such a blast, and you're such a gift to everyone as well. I mean, like I love how honest you are with your with your psychic gifts, and. Quick side note, my husband had an amazing interview last Friday and he, it's so cute. He's like, Jag said I'm gonna have multiple offers this month and we make a decision and stuff. So it's it's cute how you're part of our household. And he's like, That's what she said. That's what he, he doesn't call you Jag. He's like, That's what your psychic friend says. That's what she said. <laughs> So I'll have to let you know, but I love how, how you're supporting the world in a really powerful way and, and being you and being able to tap into those gifts and be able to create financial freedom by really helping people in an amazing way. So
1: thank you for everything that you
0: do. Well,
1: thank you. You've been part of my journey, in journey.
0: Yeah, I love it. And I love seeing you grow. I, I see her. I'm like, oh my God, that is a badass, you know, doing your thing and standing in your truth and really saying, you know what? It's my time to create who I'm meant to be you know, and not have to think about any of those perceptions or labels people put on you.
1: It's like like you were saying, like letting go of everything and creating is time, it's my time. I mean, I'm hitting 40 myself this year, so it's almost like let's just leave the last 40 years, all those experiences, and step into something new. So new chapters for all of us.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things that if I can do it, anyone can, because I'm not, I didn't, I wasn't born this courageous, brave girl. Yeah. I look back at my life now. I'm like, how the hell did I do this? And I'm a aston- uh, I'm astonished as well. So, I mean, my, what I love saying is, you know, my business is the effortless life rocks. Yeah. It effort to be effortless. But if I can do it, anyone can do it with all the fears, with all the thoughts, with all, am I good enough? All of those things I've been able to move through those and give those love and release them and so Mm -hmm. if I can do it anyone can do it as well because I've been riddled with that and that could have kept me where I was but you know when we take that action and we find that guidance within we can do anything
1: great great
0: thank you This was so much fun, Jag. Thank you so much. And yeah, if anyone wants to connect with me, you can go ahead and follow me. Um, I'm Indrani Phillips. And if you have any questions, I would love to be able to answer them. This was amazing. And thank you so much for having me on your amazing show, Jag.
1: Thank
0: you.